He's a retired police officer, also a combat military veteran, years of trauma in combat. Combined with trauma as a police officer, it took his toll on him, his marriage. He's now a minister. He's coming up to tell a story. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. Connecting with us from North Carolina, we have Jason Scalzi on the phone. Jason is a Marine Corps combat veteran. He's also a retired Vineland, New Jersey police officer. First of all, Jason, thank you for your service in both. Secondly, thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. John, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on as your guest. Jason also is a part of the law enforcement rapid response team for Billy Graham. Their website is rrt.billygram.org forward slash NLEM. If you just go to billygram.org forward slash NLEM, you'll find the information there. You've had a long career. You've been retired now. How long? I retired uh, in 2016. From the police department. Fairly recently. It's, what, seven years ago? Does it seem like a lifetime ago? It does seem like a lifetime ago. Uh, Right after I retired, I became a pastor for three years. And uh, we could talk a little bit about that more later. But, yeah, it does seem like a long time ago. I look back, Jason, sometimes, and I I retired in 92. I got hurt and retired young. I was 33. An act of violence, which we'll talk about the trauma you endured in in a moment. But sometimes it feels like a lifetime ago. Sometimes it feels like a different life, a different person. And other times it seems like yesterday. Yeah, John, you know, you're, you're talking that you, you got out in 1992 and I had just joined the Marine Corps in 1992 and, and went through all that training. And, you know, then when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I went through a police academy and I ended up going through a second police academy, total of 32 weeks. And uh, all that training uh, does not prepare uh, an officer and their family and what they actually will go through on, on the job. And, uh, it's amazing because all that training that I went through, it wasn't until, you know, going on the, on the roads and answering the calls and dealing with the, the community and dealing with all the, the, uh, hardships that officers deal with, you know, that, uh, it really does change you as the, uh, they say in the academy, it does affect you, it does make you cynical. It does. And uh, one of the things that I hear quite often, and I would love to get your input on this, is that they know what they signed up for. It comes with the territory. And here's the reality. I thought I knew what I was getting into. I really had no concept how violent, how traumatic being a cop in Baltimore was going to be. 
Um, and and I, I think this is safe to say with with anybody, just the the sheer call volume, the the dealing with people at their absolute worst. Uh, never mind the the unintended deaths, the unexpected deaths, the homicides, the violent assaults, or the the crimes perpetrated against me. Did, were you aware? Did you think you had a grip of what was heading your way? Not to that magnitude. I mean, in the academy, of course, we all see the videos of officers being killed in the line of duty and seeing all those horrific scenes, and it does give you that fear. But when you're out on the street and you're seeing it, you know, through your entire shift, whether you work eight hours or 10 hours or whatever shift, and you're seeing it all the time, and you're dealing with the same people over and over again, yeah, it definitely does affect you. And then when you're bringing it home and how it affects your your spouse, I mean, uh, I hear over and over again of spouse of uh, officers not sharing with their their spouse, you know, the heartache and all the all the the, the death and the the violence that they are seeing throughout the day and then they bring that home and it affects their marriages and it affects their families as well it does and it's a big part of the reason why my first marriage failed and i i tell people my inability to handle the trauma better is was a major contributor it wasn't everything but that was my part of it and i was of an era where we didn't talk about stuff we didn't tell people what happened and and here's a reason why jason is because I didn't want my spouse to worry any more than she already did, number one. Number two, I didn't want people, my wife included, to understand and comprehend how dangerous life really was. Sometimes it wasn't the boogeyman. It wasn't the scary creature you see on television. It was your next-door neighbor. Absolutely. Uh, I was uh, very involved with our with our church, and, and I was seeing people that were coming into the sanctuary or coming into the church that, that I knew from the streets, that I knew that they shouldn't be around the, the youth, or they shouldn't be around the children's ministry. So, you know, there's never a down time uh, for officers. They're always in that heightened sense of, of awareness, and uh, there's never a time to where they can just relax, and, and uh, that does uh, affect marriages, and that's why... Um, Divorce rate is very high uh, in the law enforcement community. In fact, oh, yeah. a lot of officers aren't even marrying now because it's sky high. Yeah, and uh, uh, our, our military brother in the same way. Uh, different stressors, different issues, but it's the same result. Uh, before you got into police work, you were in the Marine Corps. Were you active duty reserve? Uh, I, it really doesn't yeah. matter because you shipped off and you saw combat, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I spent four years active duty in the Marine Corps, and uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps is when I started, uh, when I went to the academies, I was in the National, in the Army National Guard for seven years, and I actually deployed to Kirkuk, Iraq when I was in the Air National Guard out of uh, the 177th Fighter Wing out of uh, Atlantic City, uh, New Jersey. So that's where I was a combat veteran uh, with the Air National Guard. So you made it through the Marine Corps, the tip of the spear. You went through Army Reserves, didn't see combat. You went to the Air National Guard Reserves, and you were thrust into combat zones. Yes, sir. People would think that was cake, that, that cake assignment. It's like, oh, you train once a month, and you never see active duty. That wasn't the case for you, was it? Yeah, well, here's the thing. You know, I was a young, a young police officer. I was married, had three small children, and I was allowing the the stresses of the job to come home. And, and then of course that affected my marriage. So uh, there was a deployment coming up to Iraq. Uh, John, I willingly went to Iraq without talking to my wife. It was easier for me to go into combat 
and to take a, a, a bullet than it was to deal with things that on my uh, at the home front. And uh, so, yeah, I was in uh, Kirkuk, Iraq in 2006. Uh, we had uh, we were doing air base ground defense with uh, security forces. Got rocket attacked uh, pretty much on a daily basis, and dealing with uh, with all that trauma, also the trauma of being you know away from home. My dad was a Korean Navy veteran, and it was a different era. Uh, one of the things I say yeah. is we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have we, a lot of times we didn't even get the phone call. He was heading home. If he was on a, the the med cruise on an aircraft carrier, we'd find about three or four days before they were heading home that he was on our way home. Uh, it was very rare he got the call. Uh, nowadays, it's it's a little bit better, but I never really took into comprehension just the stress of what it'd be like to be deployed, to be in a combat zone away from your family. And it's not lost on me when you say, I volunteered to go to Iraq knowing what was happening there rather than face what was going on at home. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, um, that's a common uh, thing within law enforcement officers, right? They uh, are willing. They'd rather go out to the uh, to the local uh, bar afterwards to do choir practice and then uh, to deal with the issues that are at home. Because at the end of the day, when you retire or when you're no longer a police officer, it's your family. It's your family is what right. you have is what. So those are the important uh, things that that I really didn't realize until. Uh, later on in my career. We're talking with Jason Scalzi. He is a retired violent New Jersey police officer, also a military combat veteran. We return. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, the rocket attacks in Iraq, followed by a really traumatic incident on his first day back on the job in U.S. soil as a police officer. This is a Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there's only one show like ours, the Law Enforcement Today radio show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. When you get there, click like and follow. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to HarmonyWithFood.com and click on the testing tab. Return our conversation with Jason Scalzi in the Law Enforcement Today show. Jason is a retired Vineland, New Jersey police officer, also a combat military veteran, and he is part of the Law Enforcement Rapid Response Team for Billy Graham. Website is billygram.org forward slash NLEM. Get more details there. I want to go to being deployed in Iraq. Before we end the break, you talked about things were not good at home. You're an active duty police officer. And you, rather than, than deal with those issues at home, you decide, oh, I'll, I'll volunteer. I'll go to Iraq. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what happened in um, 2006. And uh, so uh, we, we get to Iraq and we're providing uh, air base uh, ground defense for uh, it was uh, up in uh, the northern part of Iraq in Kirkuk. You had the uh, Army uh, Ford operating base there. And and uh, so 
so uh, it was normally on a regular basis where we'd get rocket attacked. And, uh, you know, if, if you got uh, hit by one of these rockets, it was it was your time because they were pretty much set up on a uh, timer, washer machine timer set up on a little riverbed and just lobbed at, at the base. But uh, uh, one day uh, there was about three or four different V-beds that went off on the northern part of the base uh, out out in town and and uh, we were talking uh, prior to the break about uh, social media and uh, we didn't know what happened it was about 10 minutes later on the cnn where we found out that there was over 80 children that were killed at a at a day school so you're dealing now you know not necessarily with the uh trauma of being there but knowing that 80 children were killed that day we had a, a, a guy drive up to the front gate where we responded and uh, his uh, vehicle uh was set up with a uh, vehicle born ieds that exploded and there was Iraqi police that were killed. And, and then, of course, uh, there was uh, one day where uh, we had to uh, transport, uh, we had to transport wounded uh, military uh, from the gate to our field hospital and uh, on the, on the uh, hood of the Humvee providing life-saving techniques. So all these things that, that happened on a regular basis, uh, you know, at the time, I'm like, yeah, it, it's trauma, you know, being uh, rocket attacked and, and diving underneath the vehicle to, uh, you know, for protection and you know, then going back to, to uh, work as if nothing happened and thinking that, hey, I can't report or I can't tell anybody because I'm an active police officer at the time of, of the stresses that I'm under. And and uh, but uh, people in my unit over in Iraq noticed that there was odd behavior, you know, that that was happening, you know, uh, making a little twitch noise and stuff. And it was just me coping with with uh the stresses and uh and it didn't uh, come out till years later we can talk about that uh, uh as we move forward about getting the counseling that i needed but but these are some things that uh veterans and officers who are doing both you know that they're not going to talk about it because uh the stresses that they're under you know the ptsd you know they're uh afraid that if they talk to anybody about the problem that they're what they're going to be uh, uh, taken off of duty. Their weapon's going to be taken from them and they're no longer going to be able to, uh, to, to be a police officer. And that's who their identity was. And my identity was and being a, a police officer and a, and a veteran at the time. Right. Well, the other thing is, and as much as we, there's, there's far more agencies across the United States that fire officers that develop post-traumatic stress disorder than those that help them. Uh, or give them civilian jobs where they're not on the street anymore. That That is the exception to the rule. A, a lot of times people, in, in my opinion, think that, well, police don't want to smash the stigma because they're afraid. Yeah, they're afraid. They're afraid of losing everything. They're afraid of yeah. hey, your family. When you get suspended without pay, for example, yeah. your family loses health insurance. Your family loses everything. It's not just you. It's your family. So if you are a married officer and you have children, all of a sudden, all their health insurance goes away. All that stuff goes away. And that pay, that, 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 that's a heavy toll that, that these officers carry with them. Um, and then, let that, let's add into it, and I'm going into my own experience a little bit. I should be able to solve this. I got a lot of willpower. I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of strength. Uh, I can do whatever I set my mind to. Uh, however, that didn't work, and it created more problems than it solved. Going back right. to your story, brother, with the rocket attacks in, in Iraq, I can go to the worst days of my career in police work. The noise was incredible. 
the, the, the shouting, the yelling, the screaming, the gunshots, all that stuff. When the adrenaline was going, I was good. I knew what to do. It's when things got quiet that became a real issue for me. Was that the case for you? Yeah. yeah you know, you, you, you go into survival mode. You know, all the training that we've experienced through, uh, through the military and through law enforcement, you know, we're uh, repetition, you know, so that we had that muscle memory just to go into that mode. And, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, I thought that I did that in Iraq. And, and afterwards, I talked to a friend of mine uh, who said, Jason, you froze. You know, you you jumped under the uh, the Humvee and you froze, and it wasn't until you know I had to call your name, and they call that the fog of war, right? I mean, your father being in Vietnam, that was a, a huge thing there, and, and it wasn't until you know somebody they called my name that I jumped out of it and then went right back into that uh, that work mode. But um, when it comes to uh, these critical incidents, you know, we we revert back to our training, and and um, and during this time of being separated from my family. If it wasn't for my faith uh, in God uh, and and really uh, calling on him and knowing him as a friend, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And uh, so um, we go through the physical training, we go through the mental training, but what about the, the spiritual fitness of our veterans and our law enforcement officers? Well, that's a discussion for a little bit later on. That uh, and, and to be quite honest with you, a lot of what I had as far as the connection with, uh, with, with the God of my understanding, was gone. Uh, and it, it wasn't he that changed, it was me that changed. Yeah. Uh, and it, it took a lot of people that have been there to help me get connected again. That's right. When you have all this going on, one thing, is, I'm going to go back to what you said, the fog of war. Uh, people had to call you and you froze. Uh, one of the things that I don't do, and it's because I can't, is I don't watch body cam videos. I don't watch dash cam videos. People send me those like I'm some sort of expert. I don't watch them because, yeah. number one, it throws me right back into it physically. And it takes a long time for me to get returned back to my center emotionally. A very long time. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't like how I become. But the other thing is, we all have it in our mind's eye that we're going to act like Clint Eastwood or we're going to act like John Wayne and we're going to say funny little short you know, things, whatever. That's not the reality. We make weird noises. We sometimes freeze. We sometimes run the other way and then gauge. Uh, there's no real rhyme or reason and can be the toughest guy in the world that does this. That's right. That's right. Uh, Colonel Grossman talked about in his book uh, on killing about the uh, psychological effects that your body goes through in violent encounters. And, you know, when your heart rate is, is through the roof, you know, your fine motor skills deteriorate. So that's, that's why, you know, when the, the people who watch the John Wayne movies and say, oh, why couldn't you shoot him in the leg? That, that doesn't happen. Right? No. That's just uh, impossible. Yeah. And, and then uh, so, John yeah, Wayne would say something really sarcastic or Clint Eastwood. And then they go knock down a couple shots of whiskey and be back at work the next day and they're fine like nothing ever happened and that is not the reality with most people i know well there are a few that can do that they get away with it for a while after a while in my experience it catches up to everyone this is law enforcement today show return our conversation with jason scalzi in just a few moments don't go anywhere we'll be right back are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, 
Be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Returning our conversation with Jason Scalzi. He's a retired Vineland, New Jersey police officer. Also a combat military veteran. We talked about his deployment, combat deployment in Iraq. And then that was in reserves. And then you eventually returned home to your day job, as we call it, as a police officer in Vineland, New Jersey. Did you think that, oh, after all this stuff in Iraq, all this rocket attacks, all the the killing, all the violence, I'm safe and sound and I can let my guard down? I thought, uh, you know, being back home with my family, I'd be able to to start rebuilding uh, my marriage and, and start reconnecting with my three young children, you know, and I knew that I'd get right back to work. But uh, to experience what I uh, first experienced my first day back was uh, uh, definitely uh, compound, uh, compounded the, uh, the traumatic experiences that I had over in Iraq. Tell us about that first day back. Yeah, we were called to a a missing child, and uh, when we got there, the the mother, uh, she was uh, an immigrant, and uh, she was out at work, and she had uh, her uh, boyfriend uh, stay home with uh, with the child, and uh, so she had gotten home, the the child was missing, and also uh, the boyfriend. And uh, so after uh, searching searching the house, you know, uh, we, we saw some blood uh, on the uh, wall near the bed. And so at this time, we, we had reason to believe that there was a, a crime that, that had taken place. And so we continued to uh, search the residence. And uh, uh, my uh, sergeant at the time, we, we were down in the basement, uh, uh, looked behind the uh, uh, the washer machine, and uh, that's where we found this uh, precious little uh, child. And uh, so, um, you know, I, I look back, and you know, we we have that flash bulb memory that we always uh, hear about. You know, that you'll always see those those uh, signs or the smells. You always remember the certain smells, and and uh, so I remember seeing that little uh, child, which was uh, probably seven, eight months old, on the uh, gurney. And um, so, yeah, having all the trauma experience over in Iraq now. You know, you had this uh, experience, which compounded, and and at the same time, you know, you're just pushing it all in. You're not talking to nobody. It's uh, affecting you uh, with your relationship with your spouse and your children, and and um, and that's exactly what it did over the years. I've always found it very difficult. When I say difficult, it wasn't difficult to do the job. We knew what to do. The procedures were the same, but I found it difficult emotionally and mentally afterwards, especially involved young children, uh, very elderly, those really got to me. And it challenged part of me emotionally. And here's a big big part. I'll I'll, I'll just go to one scenario. It it was, we had a call for a, a man who'd been dousing himself with kerosene. And I get there, I get called as a sergeant to, to, to back up they go to the scene because the officer said, this is bad. You got to come here. It was a, an elderly man who was blind and he's living in the basement of some absentee landlord's house and was covered with bugs. And his solution was to pour kerosene all over himself and he couldn't see. And I struggled with that for so I was so angry 
that someone in their 60s or 70s would be subjected to a life like that. It didn't, it didn't correlate with what I knew or how I was raised. And it didn't correlate with my belief system. And yet, that was the reality. So when crimes of violence against children occurred or other family members, I really struggled with that. Yeah, it's uh, something that uh, in our uh, nation that is founded on Judeo-Christian ethics, that's something that it's not uh, expected. And, uh, and it does affect our, our thought process. It does affect our, our belief system. And uh, that's why it's so important to have a, a strong uh, belief system in, uh, in, in God and, and in your faith. And that's what brought me through, and which brings uh, many uh, through as well. But, uh, you know, uh, these things, unfortunately, are happening more and more in our society because our society uh, is uh, unfortunately getting worse. But it's the law enforcement officers who are on the front lines who are pushing back, you know, the uh, the works of, of evil and uh, evil personnel who are praying against uh, innocent victims. It's these law enforcement officers who understand that it's not uh, a job. It's really a calling. You know that that uh, has been ordained by God yeah. to protect and to serve. It is, and, and there's a saying, and I'm not going to quote the the philosopher. It's an old old philosopher, and it's if you stare in the abyss too long, the abyss will stare back at you. And what it means, basically, the way I take it, is when you fight evil, when you have trauma, when you have violence all day long, if you don't have healthier ways to, I don't want to say cope with it or compensate but if you don't have healthier mechanisms beyond that a lot of times it'll consume you yeah yeah and unfortunately uh, that does uh consume uh, many officers when it comes to self-medication and and dealing with the stresses they're doing it in unhealthy ways and uh thank thank god that a lot of these uh, uh ways are in the academy they're they're changing those uh those teachings like when you were went first in and when i first in went, went in the uh, academy it was pretty much suck it up and get back out on the street that's right and uh, that's and that that's not the uh the answer that, that doesn't help uh it only creates problems i remember the first time that i i went out uh for choir practice after a major call my wife was home with two uh infant children and uh let's just say uh john i never did that again because uh when the officers dropped me off at my house uh, there was a a verbal heated uh altercation at the scalzi house home that day and i yeah. never did that again but unfortunately that happens quite a bit well it does and it, it, here's what we did and we had this exact same saying and in, in, in baltimore the different slang and lingo and accents, they would call us police. That's what they said. So they would say, suck it up. You're Baltimore police. You got a job to do. You can always lick your wounds later on. And after really bad calls or really bad incidents, quite often we would do this thing where we go to a parking lot and have a case of beer and talk and drink. Uh, and in some respects, the talking part was beneficial. I was single. I was okay. The alcohol became an issue not just for me, but for many people as well. Yeah. But there was some therapeutic things to that. However, here's the question I have for you. We seem as an industry to have gotten better dealing with what we call the critical incidents, and I'm air quoting, but we seem to lose it. Our our focus is not the same when it comes to the daily grind of police work. 
there's there's an education that's happening. There's an awareness, but there's also still a problem because Chicago had over seven thousand suicide. Uh, seven, I'm sorry, seven suicides last year in Chicago. Suicide amongst police is still high because they're still not talking. They're still bottling it up. There was an old video that you may have seen. Uh, Memphis Police Department did it back in the '80s, and we were talking about it, uh, talking to a bunch of officers who have been through critical incidents. And some of the words that they said, you know, regarding uh, the answer is on my hip, we mean, uh, meaning that the uh, the their, their weapon is on their hip, and that they're walking wounded, and that they're uh, and all the the struggles that they're going through. So, yeah, there's an education, there's a training, but there's still there's still an underlying issue. Uh, regarding uh, the effects that this job has on the officers. And I, I think we're neglecting really dealing with the spiritual fitness of officers and their families. Did you find that all this trauma, cumulative trauma over a while, had a negative effect on you? Oh, it absolutely had a negative uh, ref, uh, reflection on me. Uh, it affected my marriage. Um, I, uh, after I retired, I became a pastor for three years, and my wife was warning me that she was going to leave me. And uh, eventually, uh, in uh, 2019, I was uh, in Haiti, leading a, a trip to Haiti. And when I came back, uh, she had the house packed up, and and she uh, moved uh, and she moved back to our hometown. Now, since then, we have uh, reconciled, and we're back. Uh, uh, working together, serving together, but it it impacted my life tremendously, and and even my children. Uh, my children were were struggling. Uh, my oldest son, uh, John, just passed away uh, this past year, uh, August thirteenth, and these were you know just all things that that affected me as when I was a police officer in my home life, and and. Um, and so I know that there's other officers out there that are going that's through right. some of the similar it, it, things. If you don't deal with it, it comes out sideways. And, and it's not just you that's impacted. It's the family members as well. We're talking with Jason Scalzi. He's a retired violent New Jersey police officer, also a U.S. military combat veteran. When we return, we're going to talk about what he did to change his life and what he's doing today. Don't go anywhere. Great stuff heading away. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Hi, this is John J. Wiley. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us, Jason Scalzi, contacting us from North Carolina. He is a retired violent New Jersey police officer, also a U.S. military combat veteran. And we're talking about the effects of all the trauma, uh, how it affects so many people, so many law enforcement officers, other first responders, and military combat veterans, and it comes out sideways and has a tremendous impact on the families. For with the break... You said you retired from police work, you were a full-time pastor, you were doing some missionary work, and your your marriage was crumbling, and your wife left. And fortunately, you you all found a way to reconcile. Not everyone is so, that isn't in the cards for everybody. So when you were at your worst, Jason, how bad was it? Yeah. 
Well, there's a, a season of uh, at my worst. You know, it seemed like it was bad, then it would get good, then it would get even worse. Uh, there was a, a time in 2006 which we talked about. You know, there was some worse, some bad days there. I, I come back, uh, you know, to uh, to the states, uh, serving on the police department, uh, working, and um, good days, bad days. But the, during those real dark uh, times of my life, you know, I would. Uh, return to my faith. I would return to my belief in God. And I would, uh, you know, I thank God I didn't struggle with the, the self-medication, but some of the things that I did was uh, work and I would work harder and I would uh, dedicate myself more to um, serving others and neglecting my family. And that's wasn't good. That's just as bad as, as uh, self-medicating. But the, when it got really, really bad is when I was pastoring and my, uh, I just led a, a great trip to Haiti. On the way back, I called my wife from Miami airport. I could hear it in her voice that she was done. And I says, are you leaving? And she says, yes. Can you imagine that? I, I was with my daughter on the plane with uh, other members from our, from our church. And, um, and I know I'm going back home to a house that's completely engulfed in flames, burning to the ground. And I'm weeping on the airplane with my daughter. And uh, I get back to uh, to the church parsonage, and um, the following day, my wife uh, had the car par- uh, packed up and drove back to our hometown. So now I'm there as the uh, pastor of this church with all my family gone. And uh, instead of getting the help that I needed uh, a long time ago and getting counseling, that's uh, one of the fears that, that people have is that, oh, the problem's not me. The problem's the other person in the relationship. And uh, so I refused to, to get counseling. Well, now I was put in a position where I had no choice because if I wanted to continue serving uh, God and serving the church, then I'd better get some help for myself. And I immediately started getting counseling. And, uh, and uh, I was so grateful for the church at the time. They allowed me to stay there uh, to get counseling. And uh, I told them my number one goal is to reconcile with with my spouse. And, um, you know, and I, and I didn't tell you this before, uh, John, but uh, there was a time in, in our marriage where, you know, I, you know, was I suicidal? No, but I took my, my off duty weapon and I pointed it at my head in the, in the middle of me arguing with my wife, you know, and this is somebody who's a Christian, somebody who loves God, but I'm struggling, you know, with, uh, with all the anger and all the, you know, the, uh, uh, unable to fix my own marriage. You know, police officers were, were supposed to fix everybody's problems. Well, I couldn't even fix my own, my own marriage and my own problems. So That's that right. was a dark time in my life. That, and, that's uh, exactly right. We, we were supposed to solve everybody else's problems and we can't, I can't speak for other people. I couldn't understand why I couldn't solve mine. Here, here's the right. trap I fell into, Jason. I'll say the right thing and then she'll reply with this and then I'll reply with that and then everything will be okay. And it'll be like Hollywood. It'll be happy ending. We'll have the nice house. We'll have the two kids. We'll have the white picket fence. We'll have the dog. We'll have all the stuff. And I'll be the guy I always wanted to be. And I was I was struggling because I couldn't find that guy. That's exactly the the vision and the dream that I had as well. And and most officers, probably every officer, has that dream. But in reality, that's that's the movies. That's not reality. No, and that's why I get so angry sometimes at some of these these movies because it always works out in the end sometimes for a lot of us and i'm so glad it wasn't the case with you and your spouse sometimes it is divorce sometimes it's years without seeing your children uh, and then yeah. things start to get better but none of that comes without work both equations you got to work at this 
That's right. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of um, humility on both of our parts. It took um, uh, us surrendering our will and our plans uh, to each other. You know, marriage is a, uh, it's created by God. If you have God number one in your life, then uh, you both will treat one another uh, the way that God would want them to be treated. And that's what we did. That's what helped us uh, to reconcile. And we wouldn't be where we're at today if it wasn't for God in our life. There must have come a point where you made a decision, I do things differently. And you started reaching out to counseling. You started doing a lot of other things and took advantage of uh, the, the, the wonderful professionals out there. And I always say this, God provided us with great doctors and, and psychiatrists and psychologists. Avail yourself of them if you need them. And here, here's the scenario. It took me a long time to realize this. And I'm used, I use this, this example all the time. Tom Brady or Patrick Brink Holmes, uh, they've got all these other team members they rely on. They've got offensive position coaches. They've got the offensive coordinator. They've got uh, psychiatrists, therapists, nutritionists, all this other stuff they rely on to be the top of their game. Why is it so difficult for someone like me to turn and say, okay, uh, maybe I'll kind of let you sort of kind of guide me? Yeah, we see all the the professionals. We see what the media portrays, right? And uh, and it all looks glamorous. You know, they had the big homes and the cars and everything. But uh, I mean, you know, speaking of Tom Brady, for example, the, the guy's broken. You know, his marriage broke. Yep. You know, and so so we're all broken uh, people that that need redemption, that need reconciliation, and and it um, uh, it only comes through a relationship with God, and uh, that's what brought us through. And I can tell. Uh, to all the listeners, you know, whether they're law enforcement or military or people that if you're going through something similar to this, you know, uh, there's help out there. There's, there's uh, number one, there's God and there's other professionals that can help as well. Which goes right into what you're doing today. Uh, you're part of the law enforcement rapid response team for Billy Graham. Website is billygram.org forward slash N-L-E-M. What is it that you all do? Yes. Well, uh, uh, our national law enforcement ministry came about uh, during uh, Ferguson. Uh, I was an active police officer at the time and, and uh, actually deployed down to Ferguson, Missouri. They needed chaplains who were either active or retired police officers who understood the culture of the police department. And uh, so they saw how we were interacting with the community and also with the law enforcement. It was making a huge impact, bringing uh, uh, peace into this crisis situation. Baltimore happened. You're, you're yep. from Baltimore. Remember the riots down, yep. down there with Freddie Gray? Yep. The riots took place Monday. I was down there Tuesday morning, right out of North and Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, uh, providing, uh, you know, just a, a ministry of presence and uh, talking with the community members, talking with the police. You know, uh, uh, obviously, we weren't advertising that we were police officers, but we were sharing, you know, that, hey, we're, we're on the job. We uh, we're not here to get in your way. And uh, so they really at this point, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association saw the need to have a ministry for law enforcement officers. And it's, the main focus is the strengthening the spiritual fitness of officers and their families. And we do that through uh, many different ways. We have over 300 chaplains who are either active or retired police officers. We have uh, retreats that we provide completely free of charge for officers and their families across the nation. And uh, we started this a few years ago, Leap Alaska. That's for officers who have been involved in a critical incident officer-involved shooting, uh, injured in the line of duty, something that has greatly impacted their marriage. If they uh, meet the criteria and they apply, we send them and their spouse for a 
free week-long re- retreat to Alaska. We have 24 couples that we're sending to Alaska this year who have been involved in uh, critical incidents that have greatly impacted their marriage. So th- these are just some of the things that we're doing. Can you get information about that at the website, billygram.org forward slash N-L-E-M? Everything is right there on the website. If you go there, uh, you'll see uh, all the different things that we're doing. Uh, uh, email link if you need to reach out to us. Uh, the email is lawenforcementministry at bgea.org. You can contact us, and, uh, and uh, we will do whatever we can to help you and your families. Jason, I appreciate your service to our country and also to your community in New Jersey. I appreciate your service as a police officer and uh, military, but I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me, John. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.